There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Hello and welcome to the MMQB Monday Morning NFL Podcast. I'm your host, Gary Gramling. We are moving through our division preview series with a very special guest. Once again, it is Andy Benoit. Andy, how's it going? All is well. Which uh, which division are we doing? Which ones you? What do you say? You pull the lever? Are, something yeah, like you, that? you gotta you gotta pull the lever and you gotta sort of sort of sort of uh, mix the cards. And then it tells you, uh, the card will tell you which ping pong ball to select. And then you crack open the ping pong ball and uh, you find out what division you're doing. Uh, I did all those things pre-show because it's like a three-hour process, but uh, it came up NFC East. <laughs> Very good. NFC East. I love it. The Monday night football, Sunday night football division. Yeah, yeah. It, it, interesting uh, because there's really only two teams worth putting on prime time in this division or at least i think so i guess maybe maybe we'll we'll dive into that a little bit more as we break down the teams here but uh, as we always do we are going in order of last year's standings we will make predictions at the end of the show but this is order of last year's standings as we uh, do our breakdowns and we are starting therefore with the defending division champion philadelphia eagles Look, the, the the big story for the Eagles by the end of last season was the fact that they just uh, it was 
it was certainly the slowest receiving core in the NFL. It might have been the worst. I, I, I feel like I'd be hard-pressed to think of a, a less talented one uh, with all the injuries they had, but uh, the moral of the story is they went out and just, I mean, they brought in speed on top of speed this offseason, so they will have speed. I, I don't know if it's great speed. You know, we'll see what Jalen Rieger is uh, when he gets out there. The rookie uh, John Hightower, a fifth-round pick, is also there, and then, of course, Marquise Goodwin, and uh, presumably they get Deshaun Jackson back, but that is speed on the outside, and what does adding all that speed do for this offense at this point, Andy? I think it does a lot for the offense. We, we know they needed the speed. It was apparent that, I mean, defenses sat on their routes more than any team in the league last year, and Carson Wentz is such a vertical thrower and, and mindset, and when, when we say that, you tend to think, okay, well, yeah, he's just heaving the ball deep, which Wentz is more than willing to do, and uh, at times he can be quite good at it, but really... Where you get aggressive as a QB is how you attack the intermediate levels. And Wentz is about as aggressive as anyone. Uh, He's very similar in style to Andrew Luck and Carson Palmer when they were playing in the Bruce Arians offense in terms of being a a big, strong passer who's willing to throw with defenders bearing down on him. He's willing to make those tough intermediate throws with defenders bearing down. The problem is if you don't have speed, then those intermediate windows become condensed and you get a more crowded outside passing lane. So it's not about necessarily finding speed to throw to. It's about finding speed to create better opportunities for the offense as a whole. Because I think what the Eagles have realized is Wentz is going to play this way no matter what. That's just his style of quarterbacking. It's worked for him a lot, and certainly in college and and in the NFL. And you want him playing this way. I mean, the injuries are a concern, but let's, let's make that a separate conversation. This is what Carson Wentz is great at. So let's build an offense that's going to make him as great as possible, given that it's very clear he's going to play this way no matter what's around him. All right, so a bit of a bonus question here for the offense, because usually we try to do one offense, one defense for uh, for each team. And look, I don't expect you to have a great answer for this, but I am just kind of curious what your reaction was. Uh, Brandon Brooks goes down with a, uh, unfortunately, with another ruptured Achilles. He will most likely miss the entire season. So they brought back Jason Peters. Now, Andre Dillard presumably is the left tackle now. They brought back Jason Peters, and, you know, reports are that Peters is going to slide in at right guard. So you're moving inside and you're changing sides of the line as well for Peters. Mm-hmm. Just gut feeling. I, you know, I, we, we haven't seen him out there, but gut feeling. Feeling, do you do you think that works? Uh, yeah, gut feeling. I do think it works. And, and shout out to Cody Swartz, who's done a lot for for me as one of our researchers, and he's a big Eagles fan. And he brought this up with me weeks ago. And I, I don't know if I entertained the discussion quite as much because I, I I didn't want to bother with it unless it actually happened. You know, if, if Peters wasn't playing this year, he's never playing again. So you know, we move along. Mm-hmm. But he's back, and I think he could be a high level player. I don't know if he'll be a Pro Bowler. I don't know if he's quite Brandon Brooks. But I think they'll be just fine at that position, given the difficult circumstances. Okay. Uh, let's and talk remember, about- Peters was a tight end early in his career. It's not like he, yeah. and he played right tackle and left tackle. So he's played both sides before. Mm-hmm. And I think it's easier to slide to guard from tackle than it is to even just change sides. And I understand he's changing sides. You know, He's going from, as you said, left tackle to right guard. He's going to have guys next to him in all scenarios, though. He'll have help on his left and his right. He's not playing on an island the way he would be as a tackle. So I I don't think the switching sides is a big deal in this case. I think he'll be just fine. 
Yeah, and also the help they'll have are, are two, you know, all pro caliber guys and Jason Kelsey and, and Lane Johnson. So that uh, that yep. is helpful as well. Uh, defensive side of the ball. I, I just want to I, I want to ask you about this pass rush because it is it's such a high pedigree pass rush. You, you got uh, uh, three former first round picks so they, they obviously they paid big money for Javon Hargrave uh, coming over from Pittsburgh in free agency. Uh, but it's you know, it's 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 a relatively old group up here. Uh, you know, it's it's going to be uh, if you're going right to left on the starting lineup here, you got Derek Barnett, uh, Javon Hargrave, Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham. I mean, is what what do we make of this? Is this still capable of being the kind of high end four man pass rush that they had, uh, you know, back in 2017, 2018, or does it feel like this is maybe a, a step behind, uh, you know, maybe maybe not quite adding up to the let's say name brand value of these guys? It's it's probably a step behind if we're talking 2017, which I know you're not saying that exactly, but that's we all we, none of us can help but think that when we're talking Eagles pass rush because they basically won a Super Bowl on the strength of that pass rush. Um, even though I don't think that pass rush did a whole lot in the the Super Bowl that they won, but they got to the Super Bowl with it, and Brandon Graham iced the game or sealed the win with a big play there. So uh, they they can it's an above average pass rush. There's no question. There's also no question it's not the pass rush that it was a couple years ago. I think some guys can play better. I don't think Graham has slowed down a whole lot. Um, Fletcher Cox, my sense was he maybe wasn't himself at times last year. He, to me, he's one of the best power players in the league and he can he's not just a power guy either Hargrave we've talked about a little bit we I, I love him I love him as a first and second down guy but I do think they brought him in to play third downs as well I, I think he'll surprise some people I don't know if he'll be there every snap on third down if it's third and 10 in the fourth quarter I don't know if if he's the guy or not but certainly if it's second and long and it's that kind of that mixed range of third down where it's still kind of a I guess it's not third second down but you know the run pass scenario but it's more likely to be a pass Hargrave's going to be a really valuable asset for that package I like their guys I like I think Derek Barnett by the way was one of the best defensive ends in the NFC last year you just want him to do it more often his good plays are as good as anyone's Gary, what seems a little different is that that year in 2017, they had a lot of their depth was very effective. I, Barnett was coming off the bench that year. Obviously, Chris Long was part of the equation. They had a nice rotation there, and everybody played fast. I don't know if their depth's quite as good as it. It's not as good as it was then. The question is, can it be as good? And I, what do you think? Do you know anything about Jannard Avery? Uh, not uh, not that would. <laughs> Not that would stand out about him, um, you know. He's uh, uh, I I thought he bulked up a lot. He was kind of more of an edge guy, uh, if I remember correctly. Memphis guy, right? I believe he's from Memphis. I know I I've, I watched him closely. Yeah, Memphis. He, he, I watched him closely with the Browns early in his career. I think there's a lot to like there, and I understand why they traded for him. And a guy to me like Jannard Avery is a great representation of how this defense can go in either direction because Avery, there's been times he hasn't been on the field a lot in, in stretches of his career, and then there's mm-hmm. been other times where he's on the field and you think he's one of the best players. He's a He can be a real pure pass rusher. He's a versatile guy, too. I don't think he's just an edge guy, race off the edge and be fast, but he can be that as well. To me, that's the, a great representation of the Eagles. Can a guy like Jannard Avery 
get you six sacks this season, six to eight sacks, and be destructive and give you some diversity with some of your pass rush designs? And if the answer is yes, then maybe there's a trickle down because Malik Jackson's kind of that kind of guy if he's healthy. Josh Sweat, jury's still out a little bit, but you mm-hmm. see the raw explosiveness. Um, I don't know anything about Sharif Miller, their fourth-round pick a year ago. I don't know what kind of he's well, – I see his weight's 254, so I'm going to assume he's a speed rusher. You know, it's how those second-string guys play, Gary. That, that I think, will decide it as much as the first-string guys. Yeah, I, I always like Joshua. Sharif Miller is uh, he's an edge guy. He's a little bit stiff to me. I, I don't know if he's a, a big time impact guy at any point. But, okay. Um, you got you know, yeah, you got some guys who could go either way. I I kind of have an eye on Sweat more than Avery, but uh, we'll we'll see how this thing plays out here at this point. I I guess when you look at this unit, do you see uh, you know Jim Schwartz? It seems like is is blitzing a lot more. Uh, in recent years than, than he did. Certainly, you know, what his old reputation was uh, with the wide nine stuff. I mean, do you still have to rely on the blitz a little more than maybe you'd like to here? Or does this front four feel like it's good enough? I think the front four is good enough. And I think Jim Schwartz has done a nice job of finding the happy medium. And the happy medium mm-hmm. is he's going to blitz all out at some point, usually early in the game, and it's at a point that you typically don't get a, a cover zero or an all-out blitz. And I think his belief of this is uh, is that it plants a certain seed in the quarterback's mind. Hey, let's make them aware that this is possible, the possibility of these all-out blitzes. Then we can bluff them and bring them or whatever we want to do. But let's just get them playing fast and at our tempo and having them react to us early in the game. And if we do that and we do it effectively, we don't have to blitz a whole lot. We're just going to, when we do, we're going to make it count. So that's very different than being dependent on the blitz, where you really don't have guys that can get home. They've got guys that can get home. They have reason to believe their four-man rush will be fine. But Schwartz does want to plant that seed in your head with that. And a big part of it also, I think, is how versatile they have been with the deployment of their safeties. And they're they're very disguise oriented with their safeties. You're not sure because partly it's Rodney McLeod and how aggressive he is. But even when Malcolm Jenkins was was there last year, he did this as well. So they're clearly coached this way. You're not sure if you're seeing single high or too deep with some of their concepts. They play what you call a a cover three robber where the free safety basically shoots down and becomes the middle linebacker. And so mm-hmm. it starts in cover three, but becomes cover two. And I know offensive coaches hate it because your cover three beaters are very different than your cover two beaters. So what are you calling to beat that coverage? Because it's basically both coverages. That's what they do. The question is, can they continue to do that with Malcolm Jenkins gone? And if they feel that they can't, if they because they having those two versatile safeties was a big deal. If they feel they can't do that, then I could see them being a more straightforward pass rush team overall. Because I don't know if Schwartz will be quite as comfortable going all out with some of his pressure designs. But they're going to give it a shot. They signed Darius Slay to be a cover corner. Nikel Roby Coleman's a great slot blitzer and an underrated all around player. And Jalen Mills, a lot rides on him moving to safety. So they've invested in the secondary. They're going to give it a shot, but it still has to work. And we haven't seen these guys play together as one unit before. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. 
Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, guys. This is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball. We do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay. So you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs. Yeah. Like check out these hair. Pl- I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. Hey, <laughs> hey, stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that with everyone you meet? try to act like they, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I mean, like, like John Cena got, you know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot. Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but. All right. So what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit NFL.com slash schedule release to learn more. All right, let's uh, let's go to Dallas and let's stay on the defensive side of the ball and 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 in the secondary actually. Uh, if you were going to circle a weakness on the team, it probably is the defensive backfield at this point. Uh, how problematic is that in a Mike Nolan defense? At thirty thousand feet, it's it's very problematic, and I have a feeling you you already know that. You're, this is a leading question, or I, it's a, you're just asking the question to be the narrator. You already no, know we've talked about Mike Nolan no. and the man to man a lot, but I, but I forget things so quickly. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah right. You've got the best memory I've, of anyone I've worked with. I think Mike Nolan wants to blitz and manufacture a pass rush that way. That's his philosophy, anyway. Now, he's been around long enough to know that you're going to succeed in the NFL by playing to the strength of your players. So Dallas, I don't know if they're a team that has to blitz necessarily. 
they really lack a number two pass rusher. So, and, and really specifically off the edge, they lack that number two guy. So, my mm-hmm. yeah, well, maybe if, unless Alden Smith is what he used to be, but that's a big if. Yeah. But um, my guess is they will have to blitz to manufacture consistent pressure, and that's how Nolan will want to play, which means you're going to want man-to-man corners. And so your question basically is, are they good enough at corner to do that? Remember, playing man-to-man is a little bit different when you're an aggressive blitzing team because as a man defender, you understand the ball's likely to come out quickly, mm-hmm. and therefore there's fewer routes to defend, and you can kind of be aggressive and jump at what you see, and you can be more aggressive. So, you know, can those corners play that way? They'd probably be fine with that. I think a Wouzier's a decent enough player. Trevon Diggs is a big deal. I forgot, I forgot they took him in the second round. That's that's a, a big deal. And as far as I remember, Gary, he's a little bit more of a, a physical guy, isn't he? Coming yeah. out of Alabama. Yeah, he's a long physical guy. He, uh, you know, you, you would you would sort of uh, Seattle style as far as size, but uh, I, I think his movement skills are, are really good for a guy his size and with his length. Well, and that can be real advantageous, too, because if you're blitzing, at some point your opponent knows you're blitzing, and so everybody knows the ball's coming out quickly. And when those long-armed physical corners get up on the receiver and jam them and disrupt the timing, you know, that's that's a big problem for the offense when the ball's coming out. So they, they've invested in a corner that suggests they're going to be aggressive and a lot will ride on how those two guys play, of course. How's that for analysis? A lot rides on how the starting corners play for the pass defense. That's but I, I think those guys are capable. I don't know if they're Byron Jones, but they're capable. Yeah, and I I, I do wonder how much we, we look at it and sort of have that bias of being like, boy, they, they lost Byron Jones. So obviously they're they're gonna be they're gonna be worse. You don't lose sort of a top five corner in the league and, and get better, but uh, you know, they got a lot of guys who are pretty good. Well, and pretty Jones, yeah, 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 pretty good. I've been watching Curb Your Enthusiasm. So, <laughs> um, Jones is a good fit for Miami, by the way, because what's different with Miami in that New England style is they'll ask their corners to play man to man a little bit longer. They they don't they they do blitz. They bring the creative pass rushes, five man rushes, but at their core, those schemes are about having two help defenders, a free safety. And then usually some kind of robber slash double teamer, depending on the concept. But you, the ball's not expected to be out right away, so therefore you need corners that can really stay with guys, which is why Byron Jones gets paid all that money. That's why Stefan Gilmore's as valuable as he is. Dallas would not be able to do, I'm guessing they would not be able to do that given their secondary. But if if they are being a blitz-oriented team and they're wanting you to throw the ball right away, then I think Awuzie and Jordan Lewis and Anthony Brown, those guys are good enough athletes. They've got a chance as, as role players. And haha, Clinton Dix will be a good fit in that kind of system too. Yeah, yeah. Potentially. Uh, I guess we've said that about him for years in Green Bay, and it never fully came all the way to that fruition, which is why he's here. But long-bodied guy, better downhill than backpedaling. So you know, I think he'll be used as a blitzer a lot. Uh, offense side of the ball. I mean, look, we we've talked a ton about about Dak and their whole situation there. Uh, just I'll ask it very generally, Andy. Uh, Mike McCarthy is in. Uh, he retains Kellen Moore. What did you like most about this Kellen Moore offense last year? What is what is your favorite part of it now that you've seen it for a full season? 
I thought when Kellen Moore had, especially in games where he had a lot of time to prepare, so coming out of the Thanksgiving game, um, off the bye week, into week one, certainly, I believe they played the Giants that week, he was extremely good with with the different wrinkles in their formationing, some of the motions that they did and how often they would shift to one formation from another, the uh, diversity that they deployed Amari Cooper with. And I think Cooper is a guy you need to help with the scheme like that. I think he's lethal if you can help him with the scheme. Uh, they were great with that. And, and what also stood out that was different than other Dallas teams were the release concepts. They'd have bunches and stacks and a guy who's lined up at number one. And then he's got a guy inside of him who's number two. Well, number one might become number two after the snap or, or some variation of that. They did a nice job with all of those things, making life hard on the defense. I think Moore will be more consistent with it this year now that he's got a whole season under his belt. I don't know this at all. I, I don't know Mike McCarthy one bit. I know Kellen Moore okay. I don't know Mike McCarthy one bit. My guess is McCarthy will turn over a lot of that design power to Kellen Moore. And that McCarthy in the second act of his career is going to be a little bit more hands-off schematically because Kellen Moore most likely wouldn't still be here unless the Cowboys really loved him and, and probably said something to McCarthy like, hey, we want you guys working together here. And McCarthy, obviously, Moore wouldn't be here if McCarthy didn't believe in him either. So yeah. I think it's going to be a lot like a Kellen Moore offense which will be a better version of what it was last year. It's going to be more that than it was a McCarthy offense from Green Bay. No, I uh, I agree with that. Uh, let's uh, let, let's sort of jump over the chasm here uh, to the Giants. Maybe, maybe the also rans of this division seems like there are a couple of haves and a couple of have nots. Uh, so the Giants uh, year two for Daniel Jones. It is a uniquely built offense uh especially for for this day and age a great running back good tight end uh, they, they've invested in the offensive line you figure that's going to be better uh and some shifty slot type receivers i i like darius slayton uh but i don't think anyone's looking at darius slayton as you know a, a sort of a, a true number one in the outside uh, mm-hmm. they're just sort of built up the middle a little bit uh, d- does that make sense for uh for daniel jones as far as his development that's a good point. All the, you're right. All these guys are in, interior receivers because Tate and Sterling Shepard are both really they're both slot shifty type of guys, like you said, which means they're running crossing routes and they're starting out inside. Slayton is okay vertically. He's better than okay vertically, but he's not. He doesn't have the body to be that. He's six one one ninety. He's he's really more built like a Z than an X receiver. So. And then their best receiver overall is probably Evan Ingram, who's a tight end. So naturally, he's inside. Even when he splits out wide, it's usually in a minus split. So he's still inside the field numbers. So the passing game all occurs inside. And that that can be a little bit challenging um, because with Saquon Barkley there, I assume you're going to be a pretty run-oriented team. Not that Barkley can't do a lot of other things. But you have Barkley. You have Andrew Thomas, a right tackle that you took in the first round. You pay big money to your guards. There's some investment here that suggests it's going to be a balanced, run-oriented offense. I don't know if that kind of offense, the run-first or run-oriented, goes hand-in-hand necessarily with a quick-strike interior passing game, which is what the receivers are built for. 
Defensive side of the ball, this is uh, this unit has just never really come together. Uh, you know, a couple years under James Betcher, it just didn't really work out. They've obviously they're not built like the old Giants defenses with with the you know, all the the Strahan and Tuck and and Yumanura coming off the edge. Uh, stylistically, it seems like it's built for the kind of New England style defense. Patrick Graham, obviously, he's he's there. He coached under Brian Flores last year. It seems like it's something of a of a relatively seamless transition to Graham, but is it is is it good? I mean, is is that a good thing? It it didn't quite work out the last couple of years. Should they still be going down this path? Well, they're not they're not equipped to to thrive down this path right away because they're they're just not very big at linebacker. And the Blake Martinez signing to me was very interesting because they gave him good money, and I, mm-hmm. I understand why someone would want to invest in Blake Martinez, but he does not fit the Patriots style linebacker really at all. He's not he's two thirty seven. He's not small, but he's not a thumper. He's not Dante Hightower, who I'm guessing is two fifty something. Um, or, or Jamie Collins, who's 250-something. Martinez is a pretty classic, traditional linebacker, and they, they don't play that way in that Patriots scheme. They had those guys, almost everyone's a quasi-D tackle slash linebacker in, in the system at its purest. So that gives me a little pause. The fact that they signed Martinez after having Graham aboard makes me wonder if they are going to run what Graham wants to run there. I assume Graham wants, what Graham has run at other stops as an assistant. I don't quite know, Gary, to be honest with you, but you're right. Their D tackles, I mean, their defensive line is is a really good first and second down unit. It's, I mean, Leonard Williams, Dalvin Tomlinson, Dexter Lawrence, B.J. Hill, those are all at least second-tier players, and maybe some of those guys can become first-tier players as a first and second down defensive lines. And maybe that's why they feel okay with Martinez. They can have a smaller backer knowing their D line's good, but it's going to be a different style still. It'll be more four down fronts, not the five down fronts that you see from New England. Their secondary is, to me, really intriguing because, well, do you think, I mean, and it's a serious deal, so we're not going to take it lightly. Do you think DeAndre Baker will be available this year? Just a pure football standpoint. Yeah, I don't know if I would either. Yeah, it's hard because sometimes, honestly, what happens when you get some of these, you almost hate to say this, but when you get some of these really serious legal issues, sometimes they take so long to unfold that the guy's the guy's more available than he would have been if it had been a misdemeanor or something or it's they're going to let it play out. I don't know if that's the case in this one, though. Yeah, I mean, he had a it's funny. It's not funny, but you know, working up to the draft. Uh, I mean, look, he, he was one of my favorite prospects in the 2019 draft, and there were just these. You know, you hear those whispers like, "Oh, red flag guy, character guy," and it's like, uh, it's tough to really spot anything that you'd see, and you know, there, there, there's no like, uh, there's no rap sheet that would make you say like, "Oh, this guy has always been trouble in the past." But um, you know, when it <laughs> when it when it pops up like this, and you've already heard the whispers about the guy, uh, it, it it becomes a little more uh, concerning at that point. Uh, but they, I mean, look, if Baker's not available, I mean, they they use that supplemental third round pick back in 2018 on Sam Beal, who's who's had injury problems, and uh, you know, obviously hasn't quite become what they hoped he would be. And and they went out, you know, that's why they had to go out and spend on James Bradbury. So yeah. Uh, it was a good number one corner, by the yes. way. That was that was valid money spent. Yep. They didn't overpay him. I don't I can't remember what they paid him, but it it wasn't like they're not reaching for that necessarily. I think he's a solid cornerback. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's uh, it's it's just there are a lot of question marks in that secondary. It's a young secondary, plenty to like about it, but just a lot of question marks considering the investment that they put in it. What is I, that? What is that fair? Yeah, I think that is fair. What what really intrigues me about the secondary, because I liked Baker more than most people did last year, I'm sure. Now I liked him in that I could see why he was a first round talent and. Um, I also could see why people didn't like him. I mean, he was wildly up and down. His downs were very bad and at times. But he had a lot of ups that just don't show up on TV but show up on film. So I was higher on him than other people. If he's not there, that's a problem because they're, they're not deep at all at cornerback. They, they, they don't even have a true slot guy. I mean, Grant Haley can fill the role there. I don't know what Darnay Holmes is, a fourth-rounder. Do you know what the fourth-round rookie is? The uh, UCLA guy. Oh, Darnay Holmes. Uh, yeah. Fast uh, was sort of a boomer bust type of guy at UCLA. Okay. Um, but what I guess what I was going to say is what intrigues me most about the secondary is the safety position. I think Julian loves the best player. I don't know. This is too hard, but I, this is going too far. But he's to some degree, he's the best player that nobody knows about. I think there's a lot of upside and potential there. Okay. Now, obviously, they don't – well, I don't say obviously, but I don't know if they see him as an all-pro candidate because they did draft Xavier McKinney in the second round, who's a safety. Of course, they traded for Jabril Peppers last year. They might understand, though, that three safeties is mandatory in today's NFL. And McKinney, we talked about him as a slot guy, possible slot guy before the draft, I believe. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, he can uh he's probably a guy who you want to move around more than, you know, just 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 have him sitting uh sitting back there as a as a center fielder or or as a pure box guy. Uh, and, and Peppers is that kind of guy as well. So they've yeah. got some they have potential and versatility at the safety position. That's to me that's I, I always like that. That's intriguing. All right, let's uh, let's go to Washington football team. Uh, look, offensively, Dwayne Haskins, work in progress, and nothing nothing wrong with that. He should be a work in progress at this point. He was a one year starter at Ohio State. Uh, physical talent showed some flashes last year, but still, you know, a little ways to go here. Now you had a coaching change, uh, so he's uh, he's got work to do. They obviously want to lean on the run game uh, as far as what their identity is going to be this year. And for a lot of years, you know, you would have looked at this offensive line and said, you know, that's a that's a really good group, and you know, they they've had good backs behind it, and that's been the you know a, a a a fun thing, I suppose, if you want to say that. Bill Callahan's been one of the best. Uh, I I don't know about this unit now. We'll, we'll see. Brandon Scherf uh, playing on the franchise tag. Uh, no more Trent Williams. Obviously, they didn't have him last year anyway. It just looks like sort of a shaky, mediocre unit and uh i i don't know i don't know if they're gonna move the ball at all yeah it's 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 not one of the more talented o-lines in the nfl for sure and uh bill callahan's in cleveland now working on that staff so which makes sense because that's an outside zone running scheme that they're going to run there and that's what callahan coaches um so it's it's yeah there's concerns there's no doubt there's concern we don't even know who the left tackle is right now it's cornelius lucas maybe i imagine uh garen christian the third rounder pick a year ago will have every chance to win the job but it's a little bit unsettling that he didn't get on the field more given all the questions along here the last year or so I, i'm kind of with you on this offensive line and morgan moses was not as good last year as he's been in other years 
All right, defensive side of the ball. The strength of this team, obviously, is going to be the pass rush. Chase Young uh, joins them. They already had so many <laughs> so many talented first-round picks uh, invested up front. Obviously, Young was just uh, too much of a talent to pass up with the number two overall pick in this past draft. Uh, Jack Del Rio is in. I mean, what what should we expect from this uh, from this defense? Because they're, they're really good up front. It seems like there are plenty of question marks in the back, though. And so I would imagine Del Rio's going to play to the strength of the front, of course, and keep it simple on the back end and trust that our front's going to dictate the game and therefore our guys in the back end can be a little more comfortable, kind of like what we were talking about with Dallas, ball coming out quicker. Now you, that, that's a more literal with the blitz when it's a play call that is defensively designed to get the ball out. But after a certain amount of time, the DBs notice when Chase Young is getting home and when Ryan Kerrigan's getting home and Montez Sweat and even those interior guys, Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen. This Gary, in fact, it's probably far and away the highest pedigree defensive line in the NFL. They got five first-rounders right there. Yeah. And four of them are still on that rookie deal. Kerrigan hasn't slowed down, and I would argue that their best defensive tackle is Matt Ioannidis, who's, uh, who was a fifth-rounder in 2016. And also, not that we're getting, to, uh, getting pretty deep in this, but Tim Settle at nose tackle slash D-tackle for him, I thought he was a real flash player at times last year. I didn't think that he was. It wasn't open to interpretation. He's a good – I mean, this is maybe the best defensive line in the NFL if all goes well. And that you're going to just play simple coverage behind it and take advantage of that. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because the guys they have behind them. I mean, look, they brought back Kendall Fuller. That's that's good. Obviously, we know they, uh, they, they invested in Landon Collins uh, two off seasons ago. The rest of the secondary, you look at it, and I, I don't want to. I don't want to be the the dude who's like, if if these guys all play at their highest possible level, this team won't give up a single point this year. But uh, yeah. Fabian Moreau, Ronald Darby, and and Sean Davis at free safety, they're all kind of guys who are like, they toggle anywhere between like B plus players and F plus players. Uh, they're they're just they're all kind of hit or miss. But if you take that, you know, if if the pressure. Uh, sort of, sort of takes you know a, a good amount of uh, you know the time they have to cover off of their shoulders. It's it's an interesting unit. It is an interesting unit. Darby's a, an interesting one because he was in Philadelphia and it was a pretty decent starting corner for them. Uh, this when they won the Super Bowl behind that great pass rush that we talked about at the beginning of this show. So he's played behind that before, and I'm sure the Reds, uh, excuse me, the Washington. How many times is that going to happen this year? That's going to be uh, a hard one. I don't. I I had not said it a whole lot. Not to. I I tried not. I've tried not to yeah. say it, but I you you just get carried away. The Washington Football Team. <laughs> or the Washington Sentinels, if you're to believe some rumors lately <laughs> at some point. But uh, I'm sure they saw that in Darby. And they realized that guy is a route jumper. He's mm-hmm. kind of a Sante Samuel style in terms of off coverage, eye on the passer. He doesn't have to play that way. He's not, he's not tethered to that or limited. But that's when he's rolling, I think that's how he plays. That goes well with the kind of pass rush they have. And... You know, at the safety position, Landon Collins is—they're paying him a bunch of money. It's, that's fine. You know what you get there. He's a very good run defender. The guy you mentioned, Sean Davis, is the wild card and the interesting one. Very different. Let's assume they're going to be basic schematically because that's the smart thing to do. And Del Rio usually, almost always, does whatever best fits its personnel. So 
this scheme in, in Washington is very different than the one in Pittsburgh that Sean Davis ran for a lot of years. And quite frankly, it'll ask him to think less and therefore play faster. And I'm eager to see how that goes. I, I like that. I like Sean. I was higher on him than other teams or, mm-hmm. and other fans, I guess it'd be fans of the Steelers didn't love him. I think there's some talent there. Yeah, this is a man. I, I'm just envisioning this team playing on that, you know, that 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 FedEx field always kind of looks a little bit ugly, especially when you get into November, December, and uh, they're just gonna uh, they're gonna try and win some games like thirteen to ten here. It's not gonna be beautiful football. Uh, yeah, it could be, and an ugly field doesn't. That's not naturally great for a pass rush. By the way, that's yeah. Oh, that's a good point too. Might want to lay some turf down. Remember who was it? The Patriots midseason one year just put in turf. Their field was so bad at Foxborough. Is that true? Maybe it was. Maybe it was Gillette. Even there was a year for sure, and some someone will tweet us. There was a year for sure that midseason they said, "Fine, forget the grass, and here's the turf." The Cowboys also changed turf mid-year, but they were always a turf team. But they went from astral turf to the long, the kind of turf we see everywhere now, where it it looks like grass. So, um, so I don't know. Maybe you get a midseason change of some sort. You're googling it now. I can tell. No, uh, are you I'm, not? Uh, I was hoping you were. You're I'm looking writing like you're my. Looking- I'm writing myself a reminder that I wanted to talk to you about urinals uh, at this point in the show. But uh, um, the old <laughs> – this is only because you brought up uh, Foxborough and, and Gillette Stadium and all that. Yeah. Uh, what's, you the, got a the, story? The story about the old Foxborough Stadium and, and formerly uh, Schaefer Stadium, uh, I guess when they were constructing it, the guys making the locker rooms – said well these are professional football players uh they're they're huge so you know put the urinals higher and they put them (laughs) too high they built them for like basketball who are like nine feet tall so they had to you know they had to put like little stands in front of each urinal so guys could use the urinals that is uh that's a urinal portion of the of the podcast all right well and while you were telling that and that's a guy i love that that's a that's a very good anecdote i i'm googling patriot replacement turf the problem is they replaced the synthetic turf in 2017 after week one because it was just a a bad product so they needed safer turf that's not what i'm talking about though there was a year that they had it was a muddy field it was always muddy and they finally Mm -hmm. threw up their hands and put in grass or put in the fake turf i i am positive of that and i won't i can't remember what year it was Mm. i don't remember that at all it was at gillette i think that might be like the screenplay you've been working on Okay. Yeah, I can't. Uh, I'm sorry, I can't back you up on that. That's fine. Someone, someone out there is saying like, yes, yes, I remember that too, and they'll tweet us. I trust them. Okay. Okay. Well, let's uh, tweet us if you're not on Twitter. We shouldn't just assume everyone's on Twitter. Some people uh, have lived their lives a, a different and probably more fulfilling way. Uh, you can also you can email you can email me. That is yeah, very... do that because I don't look at the tweet. Look, I say tweet us, but I, I'm one of the people that tries to have a fulfilling. Yeah. Life. So I usually don't see whatever you tweet me. To be honest, you can email <laughs> me about uh, about the Patriots changing turf midseason. Uh, that is Gary Gramling at si.com. And also, if you have any thoughts on urinals, you can uh, you can put those in there too. So uh, let's uh, let's go to the projections. All right. Part by of the, the way, show. I have a photo of Tom Brady covered in mud. At, well, he's in his blue uniform, so he's it's one of the old stadiums. Fall okay. of two thousand two. 
Oh wow. Okay. All right. Yeah. We will uh, we will look into it further. Um, yeah, it's a great Dave Brown from uh, the Concord Monitor. Is that a paper you grew up reading? That's near you, isn't oh, it? Oh sure. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. 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 Not not to bust on the Concord Monitor. I, I was I was in Connecticut, so I got yeah. the, the little Connecticut paper. But he wrote. Can I read his opening paragraph? Yes, please do. It's it's. He wrote in the fall of 2002. The New England Patriots embarked on a conquest against nature, opening a brand new stadium that many thought would never exist and raising a championship banner that seemed even more improbable. The Patriots now sought to battle the very earth they stood on. (laughs) They tried to make grass grow (laughs) where it didn't want to, and they failed. And then he goes in to explain how how bad the grass was that year. So it was when Gillette was brand new. That's good. That is a good lead. That's a right great there. opening nice paragraph. Job. Yeah. Nice job. Lead, as they call it, and they spell it wrong for some reason. L E D E. It's it's just a uh, it's an inside joke amongst uh, editors. Huh. It's not. I don't know. Uh, projections, Andy. The projections portion of the show. Uh, let's start with let's start with the order of finish, and let's just let's split these up. Eagles or Cowboys. Well, that's not very come on now and you know how i feel about just writing off nfl teams well one of them's got to win the division though yeah but i'm saying i'm saying you're not even <laughs> leaving open the possibility that washington wins the division or the okay. giants you okay you can pick any who all right let me rephrase it who do you think's gonna win the division eagles Give me the uh, Washington. It, to be fair, though, we just said they've got the best pass rush potentially, yeah. and that means something. Yep. And if Dwayne Haskins takes a leap forward, and I do think he fits Scott Turner's system, new offensive coordinator there, you know, it'd be a big leap for Haskins. But he improved last year. It's not in- inconceivable that I- any of these teams can win the NFC East. I'm with you. The Eagles are the favorite, but I don't. I, I don't know if they're laughingstock teams at the bottom. Okay, that's that's fair. I will I will chuckle at them just a little bit. Uh, I I think Eagles win the division. I agree with you. I think Dallas is a playoff team. Uh, I do think uh, I I don't think it's I don't think it's a toss up. I think a lot of people are saying this is sort of a fifty fifty proposition between Philadelphia and Dallas. I do think the Eagles are are clearly the more complete team on both sides of the ball, and that's why I think uh, they are the certain favorites in this division. Uh, but Dallas is a playoff team. I don't know. It's really hard to see either the Giants or Washington winning eight games. It is. Let's it say. is. Yeah. Yeah. And I know the Eagles. They believe they've got a an Alvin Kamara level guy and Miles Sanders ready to go. They they absolutely love him as well. He is it's good. Be a diverse offense. We even talk about Jalen Hurts, and not that mm-hmm. he's going to factor into why you'd win the division or anything. I'm sure it's he'll have limited snaps, but. With all the speed and diversity in the backfield with with Sanders and Hertz, this team could do some creative things as well. And then the question is, does is that an advantage in a year where there's been such a weird off season that some teams, especially early in the year, are probably just going to be trying to find their own footing in their own system defensively? I could see the Eagles coming out and doing a lot of different crazy things in weeks one, two, three, and four schematically. 
Yeah, I mean, you think about how painful it was to watch that offense in December and January. I mean, good lord, that you know that the playoff game when Wentz went down, uh, it's it's going to be a a breath of fresh air here for for oh, Eagles di- fans. Yeah, different team. I mean, they've got eight. They had like eight guys hurt in that. I, was, mm-hmm. I hate to say it this way, but I was glad they lost that playoff game because they just. They weren't a playoff team at that point. They were down to their backups at almost every position. It's incredible yeah. they were even in the conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd, so I'd call the I'd call both those teams, both the Eagles and Cowboys. I, I'd say Super Bowl aspirations are, are fair for them, and the other two teams probably not so much. I, is that okay? I'm a, I can live with that. Okay. Uh, here's my question: More likely to win MVP, Wentz or Dak? Wentz. Yeah, I agree. I don't know. We, we don't have anything to really uh, argue about at this point. I do like Dak and that uh, Kellen Moore system. I, I think Wentz is uh, – I, I feel like everyone sort of forgot how good Wentz was a couple yeah, years ago before the ACL. I agree with you completely. Yeah, Car- Carson Wentz was the league MVP before he tore his ACL. Now he's not – you hardly hear him on anybody's top five QB lists. Not yeah. that I – maybe he's top six or seven at this point. But the point is, yeah, he, I'm with you on that. He's a, he's a superstar QB. And uh, most likely to win Defensive Player of the Year? You think like a uh, – I, I feel like Fletcher Cox is no longer quite at that level, as good as he still is. Uh, Tank Lawrence maybe uh, might be your front runner here. Uh, you could say Chase Young if you're really high on Chase Young. You know, we saw what Nick Bosa did last year. That's true. I don't know if Young will quite get enough snaps to be able to do that. Mm. I, think, I think they're going to rotate a lot, and so – they might have 45 sacks as a unit, but everyone's going to be between 8 to 10. Yeah, the, the other thing, not only the rotation, but you kind of wonder how often will they be trailing in the second half and therefore teams are a little more conservative. And and uh, I don't know if the opportunities are quite there. Kind of like how it was for Miles Garrett a couple years ago. Uh, yeah, yep, I hear you. If Dallas, we know Dallas will be on TV a lot no matter what happens. And if their defense is to play well, I don't see how that defense doesn't play w- well with Demarcus Lawrence not having a major. I think he has to have a big time season for them to be a, a high level defense. Okay. So a lot of big time plays on national TV. If it goes that way, I guess I would say Demarcus Lawrence. I probably put too much stock in this. Who's on TV for the voting? But I don't know. We ought to go back and look at the number of games guys played on national TV for each year on the. NFL postseason awards or regular, good, or regular season awards. No, that's a good study. I'd be up for that. Yeah, that's a, you know what that, that strikes me as a Ryan Taylor study. Yeah, I'd be, up for, I'd be up for making someone else do it, and yes, that someone else is Ryan Taylor. Absolutely, and we'll, he listens. We'll, so we'll see if he just does it on his own or if I have to email him. <laughs> Got to email him like some kind of idiot. Uh, all right, Andy, I got to reassemble the machine to see who we are going to select uh, for next week's division preview. But uh, unless you have any more projecting you want to do, this is uh, this is the end of the show. Oh, good. No, I'm, I'm fine with this. This okay. is good. For, yep, I'm happy to be done. Call this just <laughs> goodbye for now. We'll uh, see you next week, Andy. All right, thanks. The MMQB Monday Morning NFL Podcast is me, Gary Gramling, and special thanks once again to Andy Benoit for joining me for this one. We are produced by Shelby Royston, SI's executive producer of podcasts is Scott Brody. Ben Eagle is director of editorial projects and product. Mark Ravick is emeritus editor of the MMQB. Andy Benoit is the founder of the MMQB NFL Podcast. 
Keep up with our entire lineup of podcasts five days a week by subscribing to the MMQB podcast for free on Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, please do us a favor and leave a rating and review. It really does help other people find the show, which is also available on Spotify, Radio.com, Stitcher, SI.com, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notify, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.